This is Kurt. And this is Tracy. And this is the MFG cast. everybody welcome to another episode of the mfg cast uh we're doing another review no nay we're doing a pair of reviews under plan b's sister games we are going to be reviewing era medieval age by eggerspiel and 5211 by next move game as you heard in one of our previous episodes at gen con we talked to mike young from plan b games about these two awesome games coming out after gen con and uh, and thanks to Mike Young and everyone at Plan B, we were able to get a couple of review copies of the game so we could tell you fine folks about it. So uh, let's start off with 5211. So Tracy, let's talk about some 5211, but first, let me do the intro. Are you keeping an eye out on the cards in sight? Only the players aware of what the others are scheming will score points in this card game. The more, of the, the more cards of the same color on the table, the more chances you have of scoring part scoring points however if there are too many of that color they will be worthless <laughs> all right tracy so why don't we tell people about Ooh. let's tell people about 5211 first of all the game 5211 is by suoshi hashaguchi and i am sorry if i have that wrong i think that was a pretty good pretty okay. good try okay illustration by chris quillums and produced by Sophie Gravel. This game is um, for eight and up and two to five players and about 20 minutes. And if we go back to our last episode where we talked about waste, um, this box certainly does not have any waste involved with it because it's nice and um, small and compact and contains just what it needs to contain, which is a case with a or a box with a little insert and the cards in it and so nice little um ditty i don't know i cannot think of a word (laughs) sorry okay so five two one one basically the the goal of this game is to take your cards first of all the most important part is to based on your number of players to take out a set number of cards and that is set or distinguished in the instructions okay and then basically you play several rounds and in each round the player will play a total of four cards so you're um, each dealt five cards at the beginning of the game and then over three turns two cards are played on the first turn one's played on the second turn and one is played on the third turn Hence the five two one one, so and I'll clever. get into it. I know, I'll get into it a little bit in more detail. So, basically, you're going to then go through a scoring phase where you 
you have cards that you review that have Kododo card or Kododos on them, which are lizards, like little pictures of lizards where the numbers would be instead. And I could be pronouncing that wrong too. I'm really good at pronouncing things. And then um, you're also and or determining what color card is in the majority. Yep. Okay. And the game actually goes on until the the draw pile is empty. Very nice. Okay. And then at the end, you score based on who has the most points. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Prior to your first turn, like I said, you're, each player is dealt five cards. So there's the five part in the 5-2-1-1. And each player is going to determine in their hand. They're going to look at the, the colors in their hand and the kudotos if they have any in there and decide what cards they want to lay face down. And each player lays down their cards um, simultaneously. And as you're laying them down, you're basically determining how you want to play your turn. So keeping in mind with the kudotos that are on the tops of the cards, if you encounter the exact number of kudoto cards amongst all players, then they actually, that's the only time the kudotos are actually scored. And then they're worth one point each. But I believe that the Kadotos can actually be scored as colored cards too, can't they? Yes, they can. Yep. Okay. So if you don't, if you're playing a two-player game, you'd have to get exactly four Kadoto cards amongst the two players in order for those to count. And then whomever played them. So let's say I played three Kadotos amongst those three rounds and you played one, then you would be able to collect the one for your for your stash towards the end of the game and I would be able to take the three but as you're counting the points they're only going to be counting as one yeah and I think I feel like the the Kodoro cards in this are kind of a different way to kind of screw people out of points that you would have gotten otherwise so like say like you know if I'm doing the majority color thing and I'm you know I feel like I'm going to get 10 points of you know yellow or whatever then I could be like oh I played this last kadodo to hit this limit of kadodo cards and now these count as points and these other points that I had a bunch of are negated so yep yep so um the other part is the color majority so it, that is based on um the number of players also so if we go and reference back to the limit that you can play for like a two player the limit is five. So with the color majority, if you're looking at basic or strictly the color, it that one goes by the total number of cards played by all players equal or over that number. So if we were to play by color majority on, let's say, yellow, like you were talking about, and we matched five cards that were yellow or went above it, then those actually get wiped out. So let's say we're excited because, well, I would be excited for you, but let's say you had two cards that totaled 10 because the cards actually um, have a cool design on them, but then they are all basically one color pretty much to distinguish that, let's say they're yellow, and then they have a number four or whatever in the corner, and then Kurt had a number six. So he's laid both of these out. He would score 10 points if we scored on the color majority of yellow. And let's say I laid out two all, two yellows also, but I didn't score as many. I laid down a two and I laid down a three. So I only had five points. And But now I wanted to bust us. 
because I don't want him to score 10 points. So my next point where, or my next turn where I can only lay down one card, I'm going to bust us by laying down another yellow. And he's going to try not to because he wants to keep his 10 points, right? Who wouldn't want to? So um, he lays down an orange three or whatever, and I'm busting with another yellow card. And then we'll figure that out at the end of the round, but that's a good way to kind of mess with people that you're playing with too. Yeah. Well, and another thing you have to kind of keep in mind too when you're playing this color majority, like say you want to do that whole thing where you want to bust my yellow. Well, now you have to remember like now that yellow is out of it, you have to go to the next majority. So you have to be careful sometimes that it's like, so if the next majority is two and you have two colors that have the same amount, so like you have two green and two orange, well, if those are t- are tie for the color majority, those actually knock each other out. So then you go to the next color majority after that. And there have been times when we have played it where, where it's actually, we've gone to the next one and it's tied, it's knocked out. And we went to the next one and it's tied and it's knocked out and then nobody scores any points. So you have to kind of be wary of that too. Yep. So if we... If we kind of skip ahead to the the scoring phase then. So let's say we drew our five cards. We played two face down each, flipped them over, drew up to five again, played one face down, flipped it, drew up to five again, played one face down, flipped it, drew up to five again, did it one more time. So now it's time for scoring. So we're going to look at a couple of things now that we, now that we finished the the two and the one and the one. So we're going to look at whether we've reached the limit on the Kadodos, whether we've reached the limit or went over on the color majority. And then we kind of go through. And what's nice about the instructions is it gives examples, Mm -hmm. too, of um, players and when things get scratched and what things count and um, that kind of thing so that, you don't have to, you know, wonder, you know, if you ever play that game and you're like, well, I wonder if this happen, if this happens, does that count and that kind of thing. So it's really nice that they give examples and in the game. So basically you're going to score that and whoever, so let's say we score on, or we end up scoring an orange because if we go back to our example, we busted yellow. So the next color in the majority was orange. So... You scored one orange card. I scored an orange card. We put him into a separate pile to the side. Once the draw pile depletes, then the scoring for the end of the game can begin. Okay. And our other cards that haven't scored during that round go into the discard pile. And then basically then you're going to replenish your hand. So you're going to draw, you're each going to draw five cards back up and you're going to do the same thing over again. And so the game ends again, once the, it's depleted. You played your last round and then you're going to figure out who wins. So you're going to go to that pile where you um, collected all those cards based on color majority or whether whether you um, collected Kadoto uh, cards, um, the exact number of Kadoto cards based on the player count and that kind of thing. And then um, that person is the one that wins the game. The player with the most points. Yep. Did I not say with the most points? I don't know if you did. Hey, I just want people to assume. Yeah. Yeah, so 5-2-1-1. Very easy game to learn. Very easy game to play. The only thing that's probably a little difficult is trying to read the room. You know, is trying to read 
you know, what you think everyone else is going to play, you know, if you're going to, you know, hit that Kadodo limit to where you can, you'll only score those Kadodo points, or if you're going to actually, you know, score big for the color majority. You know, this game kind of reminds me of if you play like a Hearts or like a, you know, Diamonds or something like that. This isn't a trick-taking game, but it, in a way it kind of is. Yeah. Well, and it, and like you said, it's hard to read the room, but also at the same time, you can't, you, you have to go with whatever you have in your hand. So you may just have to fly by the seat of your pants oh, and totally. just play something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and sometimes you can get that get those cards in your hand that you don't want when you're drawing up and you would be like, okay, well, I wanted to score these yellows, but now I'm not getting any more yellows. So now I have to switch to orange, you know, or now it's only time to play one card down and I want to play all five of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think this game is a easy pick up and play. You could call it a filler because it's a 20 minute game, yeah. but you know, it's funny cause I wanted to kind of talk about like pros and cons of this game. Like for like pros of the game, like I think the art is beautiful. I yeah. love it. When we first picked up and started playing this game, and I think when we actually saw it before we picked it up, I I thought because it was a card game, I didn't think that we'd have these oversized cards, you know. And then when I saw, it, I was like, "Whoa, these cards are huge!" I'm like, "Wow, this is actually pretty cool." You know, usually when I play card games, I kind of like having your standard playing card deck or whatever, but I really enjoy the art and the card look of it. The aesthetics is like amazing. I think the gameplay is very fun and very like, I mean, it's, it's streamlined so easily because you know, you pick, you have the five cards in your hand, you play the two, you play the one, you play the one, you're always drawing up to five and you get to the end of that deck and it always, you know, depending upon the players, you're always taking out cards, but it, it plays perfectly. So then by the time you get to the end of that draw pile, you're scoring your points and you're, you know, you're good to go. I don't see any cons of this game. I don't, there's nothing about it that I dislike about it. Um, it really surprised me because when we had gone to talk to Mike, like I was excited about the things that they had, but you know, this is, this 5211 was one of those that was kind of below my radar. And when he said, would you like to take a look at this? I would, you know, I saw the box and I was like, yeah, sure. I'd like to, you know? And then and then when we played it, 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 it surprised me in a way where it, you know, in a good way, you know, where it, when we played it, I was like, wow, this is, this is a really fun, just card solid. game to play. Well, it's a solid game. Yeah. Well, then the fact that, I mean, people were playing it like all around us when we were there too. Like they were pushing it to have people try it. Yeah. And they seemed to be enjoying themselves. Yeah. I think this is a game that you could play with anybody. You know, it says eight plus, And I really think that that kind of hits it like I think even when Logan was about six or seven I think he could play this it's very oh yeah. it's not super thinky you know you kind of have everything set up and the instructions are very easy to read like Tracy said you don't you know you don't have to waste your time going on BGG going okay what does this mean you know it's it's pretty straightforward mm-hmm. what did you think of five two one one well it says on the back it's surprisingly simple it is I think you kind of took my thoughts and already said them. Okay. I was excited to try it out when I saw it when we went over to the booth. And so when Mike offered it up for us to be able to review it, I was I was eager to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a good filler game. It's not, it's about 20 minutes. So mm-hmm. it's not like it's two hours of your time. And it was really easy for us to learn it. 
it's a lot harder to explain it to somebody over a podcast than it is to be able to explain it to somebody in person. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And you have to check out the art because it's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's very cool. So let's rate 5211 on our MFG cast new rating scale. We've got our ratings, uh, the best one, which is Collection Keeper. It's one that you keep, you want in your collection. It's one you're going to want to play every single time you see it. It's basically tops. It's one of those that you're always going to want to play. We also have Fair Player. It's one of those that is still going to be in our collection, but we not, might not want to play it every single time, but it's good, definitely going to get a lot of plays in it. That's why we call it Fair Player. Our next rating is called Overlooked. It's one of those that maybe we'll play one or two times maybe in like six months but it's going to be overlooked other uh, it's going to be overlooked in replacement of other games and our last one is the unfortunate passer it's the ones that we don't really care for it's not really our bag and we're going to pass on it so now that we've talked about our little our new scale uh tracy what do you rate 5211 i would say i would give it probably overlooked okay only because not that it isn't a good game, but I think that we tend to play games that are a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And so it's not that we wouldn't grab it to put in between as a, like a filler game and stuff like that. But I can't foresee us making it a, a game that we play constantly. Mm-hmm. I can see us bringing out what is overlooked every six months or so. Mm-hmm. I can see us bringing it out to go, oh, yeah, let's play that. Or, you know, because that's a good game. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I don't like giving games overlooked. <laughs> but like you said, I think it's, I don't think it means that it's a bad game by any means. I no. just think that there's other games that we tend to go towards just because of maybe their content. Mm-hmm. Or they might have a little bit more meat on their bones. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I'd pick. I gotcha. In that way, I kind of agree with you. Um, I would give it a little bit more of a rating, a higher rating. I think I would give it a fair player. And I think I would do that with a caveat of being a filler game, basically. I don't think it's something that we're going to bring out every time we you know, think of game night. And we're like, okay, you know, what kind of games are we going to play? We're going to be like, let's set this and this and this. A lot of times we do, we will play something that's a little longer and stuff like that, but... I think if we have a you know a day where we're playing a couple of things and then maybe we want just a little game that's a little you know pick up and easy just like they say then five two one one would be one of my first picks because I really it, again I think it just it grabbed me more than I thought it would which is like, interesting oh. because usually games like that don't really do that for me and I think part of the reason is because. I, it, it makes me think of the games I used to play when I was younger with my family and stuff like that, like you know your hearts and clubs yep. and stuff like that. So, um, but we'll see what we'll see how time will tell. You know, it might be something where it does get overlooked. You know, it may change. So we'll see. Yeah. But well, and if we're rating it based on a filler, like a more of a filler game category, then I would agree with you. Mm-hmm. But uh, overall, as a game, mm-hmm. and not filler versus game as a whole mm-hmm. pairing it up to something like era medieval age or something like that then um i would stick with overlooked yep. but yep. i i can see what you are saying yeah perfect so moving from something that is a little more lighter weight to something that's a little heavier um, now we're going to be talking about era medieval age era medieval age is done by a little known designer named matt lecoq no 
Matt Leacock. Art direction by Sophie Gravel or Gravel. Oh, same person. Yep. Illustration by Chris Quilliams or Quillums. Same guy. <laughs> and then graphic design by Danique Renaud, Stephanie Vachon, and Maurice Hébert Lemire. They all look French. That's the only reason why I say it that way. If I'm wrong, then don't sue me. This game is for ages 10 and up, players 1 through 4, and playtime is about 45 to 60 minutes. And now, a dramatic reading from Tracy <laughs> Amular. Bum, bum, bum. The Roman Empire has fallen. The centuries that created a societal transformation. Lords sought to claim lands, build their domain, and foster growth in science and the arts. The beautiful Iberian Peninsula stands as a model of prosperity of the European continent. It's during this era that Spain built some of the most beautiful cathedrals in the world. With the advances in science, monasteries and hospitals worked in unison to assist the sick and poor. As a lord, there will never be a better time to grow your prestigious domain and reputation. In era, medieval age, players compete as lords in building their domains. As the game progresses, players develop medieval cities customized with highly detailed buildings and structures. With new buildings, players may also acquire an additional whoa, may also acquire another die to add to their pool. Players will be challenged with where to build, ensuring the building's safety behind city walls or risking it the countryside where there is more room to grow. Players will discover no games will ever be the same. We just probably turned my uh, headphones down during that dramatic reading. <laughs> was sorry, it, was sorry it, everybody. Was it dramatic enough for you? <laughs> no, it was did I Did I shock you? You shocked and awed me. That so. was the most dramatic I've ever read anything. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I do not role play. That's right, but you should. <laughs> No. All right. So, uh, <laughs> what's in medieval age? In medieval age, you have seven, lots of things. Lots of awesome things. Seventy-one buildings, thirty-two Ooh. walls, and twenty-seven scorched areas. Thirty-six dice. Ooh. Twenty-five pegs. Holy cow! Five tracking tokens. Four player boards. One pad of scoring sheets and four screens. So basically, what you're doing in era medieval age is this is a roll and build. So instead of a roll and write, you were using these buildings to build a massive area. So your domain, as Tracy would say. Yes. Um, for the Puppets, yes. That's right. So for the game setup, you actually form the supply by sorting the buildings. And then depending upon how many players, you also will return. Well, actually, for two players, you'll actually return buildings. And then you place a number of tracking tokens next to the supply, blank side up. So then that actually tracks your buildings for when you uh, run out of buildings, you'll flip those track tracking tokens over to progress to the end of the game. Also, a player will take a player board, a screen, and a set of six pegs, and they'll set up the player board for certain things that they have. So they'll start with zero trade goods, one stone, two wood, three food, and no culture and disaster. 
And then everybody will also get three yellow dice, which are the peasants, and one gray die, which is the noble. And we'll kind of talk about what those represent later. Also, you will each player will take a keep and place it in the exact middle of their domain, which is really hard to figure out. You just kind of have to count it out and get it there. So and hopefully you can count. That's right. And then each player will also take uh, these. Uh, will take three longhouses, one farm, and three walls that are each four units long. And then each player will take a number of scorch areas, which basically kind of takes up space on your board, so you can't use put anything on them, depending upon how many players there are. And then you, each player will set up a designing their uh, starting domain, however they like, behind the screen uh, without anybody seeing. And then each player rolls their gray die. Whoever rolled the most sword, swords is the starting player and takes that black starting player peg, which goes on the upper right, which uh, will t- tell you how to play the game. And then uh, you start the game. The goal of the game is to roll the dice to collect resources in which you build the safest, most prosperous, and most glorious medieval city you can. The player with the most points wins the game. During the game, you have six steps that you will do to perform certain actions in the game. The first uh, step that you do, you'll roll. So you'll actually take the dice that you have, and you'll roll them. The second thing, the second thing that you'll do is you will collect resources. So depending upon what's on your die, if it's not the noble die, you'll actually collect resources on your resource track. Can I ask you a question on the yes. rolling? Yes. Do you just roll and then only get that one roll? I will actually talk about that okay. a little bit later. Okay, thanks. Mm-hmm. The third step is to feed all of your people. So depending upon how many dice you have, those are your workers. And you will feed them by subtracting a food. Step four is disasters. You basically, depending upon how many skull icons are on your dice, you will get a disaster or you will affect someone else with a disaster. Step five is building. So you build your wall, your walls and your buildings in your domain. And then the sixth one is extort, which is basically fighting people for their resources and taking them over. So let's, let's focus in on these six steps, shall we? So for your roll step, what you're going to do is you're going to take the dice that you have in your hand and you're going to be rolling them. You actually get to roll up to three times. Uh, this can change depending upon which characters you have, what, what they call workers basically, what workers you have. Uh, rolling them up because sometimes they will grant you special abilities to roll differently there. And you can keep any dice that you like, but there is one special thing that will keep you from rolling your dice and that is your skulls. So your skulls are the disaster ones. And if you roll one with a disaster icon on it, you have to keep it. Okay. And there will also be some other dice that will help kind of change that and make it a little different. But yes, if you're, if you don't have have anything to change that, then if you roll a disaster die, then you have to keep it off to the side. Uh, Once everyone's uh, rolled three times behind their screen. So you have to keep those, you have to keep those hidden. Then everybody picks up their screen and reveals what they have because you don't want everybody to see what resources you've rolled and what you've rolled for your nobles if you're going to be fighting so that's it for the first step so the second step is collecting so for collecting you're actually collecting goods so not only are you collecting goods on your dice depending upon what you pick like some of the dice will have an either or so it'll have like a slash so that means you'd like one of them will be like okay do you want these two food or this one stone you get to pick those there'll be icons on your dice depending upon you know what you'll get so, so like for your peasant dice which are your yellow dice you can possibly collect food which are kind of your corn stalks 
You can get wood, which are basically just little icons of wood. You also have little icons of stone. Um, you have uh, build icons, which are little hammers. And then uh, another one will be that disaster icon with a wood and a hammer on it. If you have burgers, which are your blue dice, you can collect trade goods, which kind of look like a chest. Stone, which are the kind of rock looking things, like I said before. Culture, which is a book. Hammer for the builds. And then again, the, the skull dice, the uh, disaster dice. With this time, it's got a rock and a hammer. And then for noble, or nobles are a little different. So the nobles are basically what you would use for fighting. So you can have, there's one where there's four, there's four shields for defense and those count one per. There's uh, one sword to add one sword to your strength, two for two, three for three. Trade good, which is that chest again. And then an, another one that's a disaster skull again, but you get tra uh, two trade goods to go with that. And then the last die is the clergy, which you can get two food. One of them is collect two wood or a stone. And then they have a special icon, which is a feather, which means that you can reroll this die after your through roll, optionally rerolling another die with it, which you can even use the ones with the skulls. Uh, it also had, the clergy also has the book with the culture and then the disaster icon with two culture there too. Lots of ways in your collect phase to get certain types of goods, but also when you're collecting those goods too, depending upon what buildings you have, which we'll talk a little bit later, you will actually get resources that way also. And some certain buildings that you have that are on your board that we'll talk about when, we, when we're actually building stuff, some certain buildings that you have that are out on your domain will actually give you additional resources that you can use throughout the game too. So we start out with one farm. So each time we have a farm out on our domain. So it, it provides one additional food during the collect step each round. Your third step is to feed. So basically what your food resource is, is to feed all of the dice that you're rolling because those are all your workers. So if you have five dice, you have to feed all of those guys. So say, let's just say that you don't have enough food. Say you have four food and you have five workers. Well, you actually have to still bring that food down to zero. So you're paying the four food but then also you have that extra one left. So that means you actually have to put your disaster peg down one, which is on the bottom right corner with your culture there. That will give you negative points at the end of the game. So you want to try to avoid that as much as you can. Uh, the next step, number four, is disasters. So with rolling, rolling the disasters on your dice, you will get a certain thing that basically kind of screws up your domain. Or if you're very lucky you can actually screw up somebody else's domain. Like I was. Yes, you were You were ruining <laughs> me that last game we played. I did not like it, I will tell you. So depending upon how many icons you have, you will actually do a certain thing. You will do a certain thing that affects your domain or somebody else's. So if you only have one skull, it's called the brigands. So basically what you would do is you would advance the peg on your disaster track or remove a resource from your player board. So that's a little bit of just kind of taken away from your points. If you get two skulls, it's disease. So you actually advance the peg on your disaster track depending upon clusters. So what we mean by clusters is uh, the buildings on your board, if they're clustered, that means they have to be connected orthonologically. Boy, that, God, word. I hate that word. I know, that word is the worst. Ugh. I hate it too. 
But so if you put your buildings diagonal, that does not count. Or if you have them against a wall, that does not count either because walls aren't considered buildings. Or if you have the buildings connected to a hospital, which is a special building, then that means that you won't score for that. If you have three skulls, that actually is called treachery. And that's good for you because you get to hand a scorched earth to another player and they have to put that on their board that's outside of a walled area. <laughs> and if that person cannot, then they have to destroy a wall and put that scorched earth in a unwalled area. That So that can really put the damage on somebody. Does it put a damage on you? It does, a lot, and I hate you for doing it. Yeah, what is, what is it, like three times? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a lot. I didn't like yeah, it. Yeah, so that's fun. Yeah. Uh, if you get four disasters, that's fire. You have to remove a building from your domain. I actually did that this last game, too, which I hadn't done before, and that sucked. Um, <laughs> if you have five, which I don't even think oh we ever god, did. Oh my god, no. <laughs> that is an attack, which you actually is good for you, because... Each of your opponents must remove an unwalled building of their choice and return it to the box. Yeah, that's crazy because that's like, that could be depending on you and the amount of people that you have. Yeah. But the only thing that sucks is that if somebody, if if all players have everything inside walled buildings, then you can't do it. So that would kind of oh. be kind of crappy. Well, yeah. And it's, it could be all of your, your dice. Yeah. And then if you roll six or more, which had ne- we had never done, and thank goodness, you remove all trade goods from your player board, which player goods are pretty darn good. Moving on to building. So then during your build step, you will you can build walled, walls and buildings to upgrade your scores. What you do is you use those resources, and you can do those as many times as you have builds. So when I talked to you about rolling the dice and having the hammer for builds, that's how many times you can build. So if you have three three hammers, you can build three times. If you have one, you can build one time. If you have none, you can't build any times. Subtract the required resources, build your buildings, put them in a spot where you want to. The name of the game is trying to build walls around your buildings and score double the points for um, having everything enclosed in those walls. So you try to do that the best you can. Meanwhile, trying to not have as many scorched areas to kind of screw up everything. Every building has a special ability, which either will get you dice or will get you resources or things like that. I will just talk about a couple of them really quick. We already talked about the farm, uh, the hospital. What I talked about, if you build... You just want to say that word again. Yep. If you build a building or hospital orthodox, Orthogonal. <laughs> See, I think you should just orthogonally. I did it. Uh, next to it, it won't get that cluster that cluster uh, penalty when disasters happen. Like here's a cool one. It's the market. It's uh, basically a square, a perfect square, and you score uh, points in, at the end of the game for each empty adjacent space. So you can score up to eight points there. Um, there's a, another one where like it's university at the end of the game, you score one bonus point for each culture on your culture track, depending upon how many you scored there. So yeah, so there's different ways to do it, different ways to build your domains. And it's, it's a lot of fun to do that. And then lastly is the extort phase. So basically what you're going to do is you're going to roll your nobles, depending upon how many you have, you match them up to other players. Whoever has the highest amount of swords will, extort from other people and you get one resource from each player and you decide which one you want to do and then you do round end 
So basically what you do is you, after you're doing all your billings, you want to make sure that all your tracking tokens aren't flipped over, which with your tracking tokens, what happens is depending upon how many players, you'll have a certain amount of tracking tokens. Once you run out of a certain building, you will flip over that tracking token. And then once all of those tracking tokens are flipped at the end of the round, then the game is over. Winning the game, the uh, players compare their scores and then whoever has the most wins. And then in the event of a tie, it's tied player that has the most trade goods. Players are still tied, most stone, still tied, wood, and then food. And then if tied players have the same amount, same amount of every resource, you share a victory. Boo. I don't like sharing victory. I think it's stupid. But hey, you want to add that? That's cool. I think we sh there should always be a winner. Then you arm wrestle. That's right. Because somebody always has to win. Don't That's they? right. That's true. So at the end, when you're tallying up your scores, you score points for the buildings. Each building has a certain amount of points. You get bonus points for any markets, guild halls, universities, and cathedrals. Uh, you score one point for each culture that you have at the end of the game. For your walled areas, whoever has the largest wall area, you'd get a, a bonus point. Also for the culture too, I, didn't, I, I forgot to mention that whoever has the most culture score, scores five bonus points. And then for the disasters, you would uh, subtract one point for each score on the disaster track. And then total up your points. And like I said, for, for you know comparing your scores for the end of the game and ties and stuff like that. So now that I've described that in very long detail and I'm out of breath and saliva and stuff like that, let's review. Yeah. <laughs> Era Medieval Age. What did you think of Era Medieval Age? I really liked it. I knew nothing about this game, except for the fact that I knew you were really antsy to um, get this on the table before we even went yep, to yep. Gen Con. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, if you want to play it, I probably will want to play it also. Mm -hmm. So you played it solo. I did. Prior to us playing it. And then you taught it to me, but I... I can't even say I liked it more than I thought I would because I had no expectations. Yeah, yeah. Well, since we're talking about pros and cons, you talk, you're talking about kind of what you liked about it. Are there some specific things that you liked about the game? She's at a loss for words, people. Um, I think the quality of the the pieces, like the buildings and stuff, are really nice. Mm -hmm. No, I, I thought that was cool. Okay. I think that the way that it's arranged, like the the way the game is set up, it's nice that it isn't, it doesn't have to go on forever. Mm -hmm. No, it does not. So that's cool. Cool. What about what about cons? What, what is there anything that you disliked about it? I would say the only thing that I didn't, that still kind of gets under my skin about it, is the the yellow board. The player board. And the lack of contrast between the 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 notations of like the spaces mm -hmm. so for example like here's the peg track for culture here's the peg track for the what are the skulls called uh the disasters for the disasters i wanted to keep calling them diseases <laughs> um for the food and for the stone and stuff like that but everything's all the same color mm -hmm. and so it's really hard to tell and i have to pick it up and shove it in my face pretty much to be able to remember now that we've played it enough, I kind of remember the order of it, but at the same time, it's hard. Mm -hmm. Like we have to figure out a way to maybe change the to the change the color, and I don't want to ruin the the game, but 
to change the colors so that those icons and those notations or whatever stand out so you can see them better. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's nothing compared to not liking a game as a whole or something like that. But like that was one of the first things I noticed. I was like, what? It's all yellow? Like you can't tell Mm -hmm. like a yellowish cream color or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, for me, for the pros for the game, like, I I think that the component quality of this game is tops. Like, the buildings are amazing. The dice are fun to play with. I mean, everything is very good in that aspect. The play is really good. I really enjoy it. The couple of cons I had for it, and the one I will agree with you wholeheartedly, the player board is very disappointing. I don't, number one, I hate yellow. I'm sorry, anybody that loves yellow. I'm sure there's people listening. I hate the color yellow. And I understand why they did it, because it, it it kind of goes in, it kind of, this is kind of a repurposing of Roll for the Ages, kind of. It kind of has that throwback to that. But, yeah, like you said, it's like, I have pretty good eyesight, but just trying to, trying to see those icons as I'm doing it. And it's funny, we've played this quite a few times now, so you think it would be very easy for me to go, okay, this is what we do now, this is what we do now. But I still have to go back and look at it and go, oh, what is that? Well, and like I said, I'm still trying to learn. Uh, Well, we've played it enough, but I'm still trying to figure out where each of those things live. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of getting it, but I still don't, I still question it. Yeah, yeah. And I still shove it up (laughs) to my face. So I, you know, I think, uh, you know, trying to find a way to kind of whitewash the board kind of like you would with like a mini to kind of pull up those icons would be great. Another thing that Tracy mentioned, I actually played this one player and um, I did not like playing it one player because the goal of the game with one player is to hit a certain score and then see if you can beat that score. I wasn't exactly thrilled about that. And you're basically, you're playing a, you're for the extort phase, you're using, you know, a, a few dice as a dummy player to see if you can get their stuff. And if they beat you out, they don't take a resource from you. You just don't get anything. And to me, I just, at least I think that's what it was. And to me, it just, that wasn't that exciting, you know? And that was my first playthrough. So at first I was kind of like, oh no. I'm so excited about this game and I'm not going <laughs> to like it anymore. Oh no, you know, but, uh, as we, you know, I played it with, you know, with, with you, Tracy, you know, it, you know, I could, I could see where, you know, there was a lot more, f- you know, fun in, you know, trying to play against you and do certain things. One thing that was a little lackluster for me too, was the extort part. I think that when you extort from people, I, I don't think you should be able to get just one thing. I think you should be able to get more. Because I feel like just getting, like, one is just kind of like, great, I got one food or well, I got but one. But to be honest with you, if resources are hard to get for that other person at points, like, it's annoying when somebody else comes in and takes it. Yeah, it is. So, I mean, I can, but if they're, like, rolling in the resources, yeah. I mean, who cares then? Yeah. Well, I feel like it's weird because, and I feel like the times that we played, and maybe if I play this more in the future, I feel like those trade goods that are supposed to be the ones that are a little harder to get those were just just stupid hard for me to get so then when i wanted to build these bigger buildings it was just really hard to do even if i grabbed these other dice to help me roll because i think with like i think the burgers which are the kind of like the tealish dice yeah like i think those get you more trade goods like that i think that would have been you know it would have been 
cool to get more out of those, but uh, maybe it was just because of my roles, but still. It could have been because I feel like every game was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So, like, there was one game where I could never get them. There was one game where I got a decent amount, but I didn't quite get enough where I that I wanted to get to, or I had enough of those, but I didn't have enough resources of the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then I'd be like, oh, I wanted to get that one building and I didn't have enough wood or... Yeah. Um, I never had enough stone, but I always had the trade goods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or as I call them, magic. I'm not really <laughs> sure why. Maybe because it's magic if you actually get them. Yes, that is definitely That's true. That's probably why. See, I'm going to trademark that. You should. Mag- yeah. Magic. Yes. Cue the sprinkly or the whatever they do when they say it, when people say magic. Bring yeah, exactly. Magic. Right? That's right. All right. So let's rate era medieval age. So Tracy, what do you think about era? I would say I'm kind of in between collection keeper and fair player, probably leaning towards more of a collection keeper because I feel like it has enough good components for me to want to play it more often than not. Mm -hmm. Again, we just need to figure out that board. Yeah. And I'm sure that if we look it up online, somebody's done something. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm kind of in the same boat. I'm kind of that in between. Mm-hmm. And I think I would actually lean more towards a fair player because I, th- I think this game is super fun and I like playing it. I, will it be something I'll look for every time? No, maybe not. But I, I really like this game and I really like playing it. And I'm glad that it actually met my expectations, which was cool. You know, because yeah. I was so excited about it. And I've done that where I've been excited about something and I didn't really like it. So, right. So yeah, so there's our review of Era Medieval Age and 5211. If you guys have any questions about any of these games, if you feel like we've omitted anything, if there's something you'd like to shout out about it, find us on Facebook at MFGCast on our Facebook page and at MFGCast on Twitter. And uh, yeah, hopefully next week we'll have another awesome review for you. So until next time, I'm Kurt. And I'm Tracy. And thanks for listening. This was the MFGCast. Legends of Tabletop Podcast, creating legends one die at a time.